This show is a proud member of Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Listening to episode 125 of She's a Super Geek, the actual play RPG podcast highlighting women as GMs. I'm Senda, and on today's episode, my co-host Andy and I are playing Dear Elizabeth, a 200-word RPG winner from 2018 by Will C. In this game, we write letters to each other, and they are actually written simultaneously, so we've kind of organized them in the edit in the way that we think makes the most sense, but sometimes, because we were writing them at the same time, we're responding to things a little bit later than you might expect us to, etc. like that. Also, a quick heads up for you. We're going to go ahead and take our last Tuesday in December that we would normally post a show off. We'll be back in January with our normal show schedule, so don't look for us at the end of December, and then we'll see you in January. And with all that out of the way, let's get to Dear Elizabeth. My dearest Isabel, life at the young manor is not nearly as exciting as I believed it would be. Grandmother's routine is strict, as are her rules for me. Uncle Wentworth is useless in all manners except entertaining his former army friends, and Aunt Christiana is kept busy on the affairs of running the household. Yet, there are still moments of excitement. One of Uncle's army friends stayed here and brought his son, Lucas. His fine, strapping 18-year-old son, Lucas. For two whole weeks, Grandmother allowed me to neglect my duties with her to play hostess for Lucas. Alas, he comes from a middling family. Otherwise, his chestnut locks and gray eyes may have ensnared me. Aunt Christiana was overtly jealous of his apparent fondness for me. It must be difficult for her, once the apple of society, to now fall prey to her thirties and diminishing diminishing beauty. I shall do as she and marry above my station well before middle age, but not bear any spite to younger women as she does. Perhaps I could recommend Lucas to your husband, George. He is intelligent and a trained accountant. You'd think such a man would be an awful bore, but he would be an asset to any company. Mayhaps you may find his company even better than I. He lives in London, in a neighborhood near to you. Lucas Bromley, 318 and a half Jacobs Street. I've provided him your name and address as well. If George does not hire him, he would still be a wonderful addition to your salon nights. Sincerely yours, Chastity. Dearest Chastity, I hope you have been well these past few weeks. I appreciated your last letter very much, and read it to George also, 
just the public parts about your well-being, when he got home from managing his fleet. He likes to call them his fleet, even though they are really only two ships, but the spice trade remains profitable. Bennett is now six months old and continues to be healthy and strong, for which I am very grateful. Edmund and I have had a quarrel. He thinks it is improper of me to stay in the city as a wife alone when George goes away, with only Marjorie to keep me company. Marjorie is Bennett's nurse, and does help me manage the rest of the household also. She is a widow quite young, and has decided she is done with husbands. I asked Edmund how he can speak to me of impropriety when he's warming my bed while my husband is out of town. He had no answer for that, but did not leave me on good terms, with his usual kiss. I have not seen him now in several days, which, if he would limit what freedoms are afforded me, perhaps is for the best. George and I have been talking about a trip to the country in a few weeks. We'll go to visit his parents and get some of the fresher air. I am sure that will benefit Bennett greatly, as he's not yet been out of the city. I hope all goes well for you, my dear friend, and your grandmother's health is good. I will write again soon. Yours, Isabel. P.S. I included a sachet of the last shipment of cinnamon George received. It's very sweet to taste, and I hope you will enjoy it. Dearest Isabel, I'm so happy to hear Bennett is doing well. I remember him in my prayers regularly. It's also marvelous that the business is doing well. I've kept that cinnamon in my own rooms for use in my teas. If all the spices are as fragrant and luscious as that one, Lord George should be a very wealthy man soon. Aren't you lucky to have your freedom, your Edmund, your Bennett? I long for such a life, and yet am stuck here at this manor. I adore Grandmother, but she is so ill. Most of my time is spent attending to her. She cannot even rise to attend she cannot even rise to attend service on Sunday mornings. The vicar regularly visits her and is overly attentive to me. He is at his youngest thirty five and most likely past forty, unmarried from his devotion to the church, and apparently looking to change that. He has asked for a meeting with Uncle Wentworth, and what else could it be other than courtship? Marriage to a country vicar. Can you imagine me, a vicar's wife? <laughs> I hold you in such high esteem, Isabel, dear. Occasionally, I am a touch jealous. Family comes first, I suppose. Though, if I am honest, you are closer family to me than these relative strangers. Except in grandmother, I never spent any time with my uncle or aunt before coming here after boarding school. I fear I am simply a nuisance to them, though. I long to hear about baby Bennett and whether or not you have met with Mr. Bromley. I miss our long talks in the dormitory after all else has gone to bed. Write soon. Yours. Chastity. <clears throat> My dear Chastity, 
Thank you so much for your introduction to Lucas. What a charming young man. George was able to hire him on as we had need for an accountant with most haste, and it turns out he and I get along quite well indeed. In fact, Edmund and I broke things off after our spat in the spring. I shan't be seen with such a bore anyway. After all, I am married and have given George his son. George is a dear, but also rarely home. It is lovely to have Lucas over for dinner, and of course, late night discussions. He is quite the philosopher. Needless to say, I am quite grateful for your introduction, and I am hardly missing Edmund at all. I was glad to hear your grandmother is in good health still, but sorry the rest are such bores. How will you ever find a good husband locked in a drafty old estate with only the occasional visitor? You must plan a visit to the city. Surely we could all go calling together, as I have some delightful friends here. I am sure that given a chance you will make a brilliant match. Do you remember Marjorie, Bennett's nurse? Herbert, who is a stableman, has proposed her marriage. She remains completely disinterested in a second engagement, but we had quite a good laugh about it. He's an adult even if she were looking. Aside from Lucas's visits, I do delight that I spend much of my time in her company. We are quite the two chatterboxes, like you and I at school. She has become very dear to me, and she is very good with Bennett. George has a new deal for cacao, which is simply marvellous. The funds from the sales have us looking for a new storefront in London, as we'd hoped. I am optimistic that by the end of the year we may have the shop, as we discussed. I hope all continues well with your health and your grandmother. Yours, Isabel. Dearest Isabel, It is with deepest sadness I have to inform you that Grandmother passed away last month. It was peaceful and overnight. The poor maid who tried to rouse her in the morning, though. She is quite shaken still. In the end, it is good that the vicar met with Uncle. He wished to speak of funeral plans, not as I supposed. Courtship. Father even came for the funeral. He said he has arranged a suitor for me in York, where he and the extended family live. I find myself grieving for Grandmother, and uncertain what to do with myself. An arranged marriage seems to have worked out for you, so mayhaps I would be so blessed. Grandmother saw fit to leave me an extensive inheritance in honor of the company I provided her in the last few years so marrying rich may be less important than I originally thought. Both uncle and father are most displeased at grandmother's financial decisions. Is Mr. Bromley still a good friend to you? I may have to lift him from the middle class, if not. I am heavily considering moving to London, but I would do so against the wishes of my family. Oh, have the means of mobility, but not the blessings of the family. What should I do, dear Isabel? My heart is heavy while my thoughts fail me. I will stay here at the manor at least through the winter, giving Grandmother a proper morning time. After that, only God knows. I've longed for freedom, and now being granted it, I am terrified. Help me take my thoughts away from this dreary estate. How are you and baby Bennet? What news from London? What is the season's fashion? Wishing you the best. Yours, Chastity. 
Dearest Chastity, I was so sorry to hear about your grandmother's failing health. Of course you can't leave her to visit in these circumstances. I hope that you are able to keep her comfortable. What happened with the vicar? He seems rather odd. You, my dear, deserve a more energetic young husband who can care for you properly. Bennett continues to grow strong and healthy. He has his father's dark hair and brown eyes, and they are very becoming on him. Forgive me for being short with the pleasantries, for I fear I've been delaying in writing you the most important thing. I do not wish you to feel guilty about this, as there is no fault here but my own. Lucas is nothing but a vulgar amuser. He has run off with half of the money intended for our new shop, and would have gone with more if George had not been so wise as to keep it in more than one place. I am heartbroken to find that he never did care for me at all, and on top of that our new shop is yet again so far away. It has been quite the scandal around town, and while he has, of course, fled, rumours of our dalliance have been whispered. If you, my dearest friend, need to distance yourself from this disgrace to make a marriage match that you deserve, I shall understand. I think the times of my dalliances with the untrustworthy sex have come to an end. I shall remain at home with my dear friend Marjorie, who has shown me great compassion by staying on to care for Bennett and I despite the scandal we find ourselves in. George has found an excuse to be out of town again, as he frequently does, and is pretending this is nothing but a robbery. I don't know exactly what else to write to you, other than if you choose not to write again, I will understand. It is my fondest hope that you will find the life that we discussed so many times in the dormitory, and I would not want association with me to sully your chances. Please hold me in your thoughts while all of this blows over. Yours with love, Isabel. Dearest Isabel, I am stricken to hear Mr. Bromley did such a thing. He seemed such a trustworthy fellow. I apologize for my error in judgment. Your scandal is indeed my fault, and I will never let such a thing come between us. Perhaps I could invest in George's business to make up for such a horrid introduction. Certainly my family would improve of investment over moving to London alone. York has a social society and many people our age. I am certain I will be fine there. The suitor my father has suggested came to visit at New Year's. Griffith Percival. Oldest son of Lord Chance Percival and heir apparent to wealth and lands and businesses and horses, etc. He is sweet, but a bit slow. The last thing I want is to be stuck as Aunt Christiana is, running everything while my husband smokes and hunts the days away. Yet at one point that was indeed my dream. A wealthy husband while I was in charge. Funny how things change, Isabel. Could it be that my life goal would actually make me unhappy? I can barely stomach the idea. I turned 21 in the spring and many of our classmates are wives and mothers already. Could I remain single and still have a place in society? And my family? What if I grow ill as grandmother and have no children or grandchildren to take care of me? 
Mayhaps Griffith is better than venturing into a new city and unknown social group. God only knows what Father has said to anyone about me in York. (sighs) I hope you are not under too much strain after such a scandal. Say the word and I will fly to London to support you and Bennett. Blood family be damned. Yours, Chastity. Dearest Chastity, I was so delighted to hear from you again, although the news is not good. I am glad to hear that your grandmother's passing was peaceful, at least. Even if you do not move to London, you will still do well in a city. If you do come to London, I'm afraid not all the doors that were once open to me remain so. But I would still do my best, and the spice trade continues to be generous with our accounting. Speaking of accounting, George has taken on the task of doing it himself now, and sends his men to do more of the work with the captains. It's nice to have him home more as we get along well enough, and it has recovered our reputation somewhat. Mr. Windham, in particular, may be an even better negotiator than George. I am much satisfied at this point with Marjorie for myself. I continue to pay her, of course, but would do it even if she did not do a lick of work. We split the household chores daily, and while I still sometimes hold visiting hours, I'm much more likely to spend my evenings in conversation with her. She has a very different view of the world, which is fascinating and sometimes painful to hear. She has taught me many things, and I care for her very much. Bennett is now nearly one and a half, and quite the growing boy. We are all very proud of him. He is crawling and smiles so wonderfully. The other day I heard him say, Ma. We found out just yesterday that George's sister Sophia has given birth to a beautiful baby girl. We are going to visit today, although quietly, as they are still recovering, of course. She, I'm afraid, doesn't like me much, which is why you've not heard of her yet previously in my letters. I will steal myself for her scathing remarks and pray that motherhood softens her. Business has been good as the holidays approach, of course. I am sending this letter with a crate of mandarins that I hope you are able to enjoy. If you do go travelling, you really must come visit. You are very dear to me, and I have missed you since school. Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year to you. Yours, Isabel. enjoyed episode 125 of she's a super geek if you liked what you heard please consider supporting us on patreon at patreon.com sasgeek the additional music in this episode was the string quartet in g major by mozart performed live in denmark and recorded by jan rue 
you can find more information in our show notes. If you'd like to chat with us, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Podcast, and we're on Facebook, and you can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums. Our theme song is Rock and Roll Play Baby by Kieran Strange. Find more fantastic music, tour dates, merchandise, all the stuff at KieranStrange.com. You can find Dear Elizabeth on the 2018 winners page for the 200-word RPG contest, and we'll have a direct link for you in our show notes as well. We hope your holidays are full of joy and warmth, and we'll see you in the new year for our next adventure. She's a-